All right, all right. So tonight, the uh, you know, we have a Greek word for every night, which we see in the video, and the Greek word tonight is luo, which means to set free. And tonight is all about uh, uh, forgiveness and repentance within marriage and redemption that only God can bring. So let's play that video, Mr. Josh. And I'll holler at you when you need to skip some. Per usual. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the lively attendance that's been coming to this marriage series. And we just pray that this uh, has been edifying for both the married people and the single people and the divorced people and anybody else that has come here to see uh, the biblical design for marriage and the way that you wish for us to operate within our marriages. So as we think about repentance and forgiveness tonight within marriage, just allow that to be something that we can take home with us and apply. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is the first to fall in love? Yeah, I think it was me. Who is fanatic about cleaning? Neither. <laughs> Who needs to get the fight resolved, even if it means staying up all night? Oh, that's just so easy. Who holds a grudge the most? Did <laughs> you report to me? No, honey, why not? Who is the worst apologizer? Bruh. Like the spirit can make you. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to make up sex? For me, growing up in a household where um, it was knockout, drag out conversations that led into the next day. And so not realizing how that played into our conflicts, I thought you had to have elongated conversations in order to have, you know, resolve versus, you know what, sometimes it's okay to like table it and come back when we're not in our flesh. You know, we let the Holy Spirit activate, right? And being able to like be honest about um, our feelings, but saying if it needs to be tabled, we need to table it. You know, we started having these little fights and disagreements and conflicts. And it was really the first time I realized I had no idea how to handle conflict. I thought it was all her fault. It wasn't any of my fault. And I just couldn't believe it. every single day it seemed like she bugged me. And instead of dealing with it, I just sort of walked into another room. He might let a lot of time pass before he feels like I need to say something. I am more like, oh, conflict happened. Let's talk about it right now. I'm following you into the bathroom <laughs> to talk about this right now. Literally. Into the bathroom. And so, um, and, and then the timing of when he is ready to talk about it, I, I have boundaries when it comes to conflict. Let's talk about it now or let's pick a time. You know, I'm like laying in the bed trying to go to sleep. And he's like, so, about today. And I'm like, Right now, this is sexual time. <laughs> when he would do something that would upset me, 
almost always my immediate response was, well, I must have done something. It must be me. And then I would just not say anything. And what would happen is I would kind of like stuff it and then that would go on and then something bigger would happen and then I would just explode. And he would be like, what just happened? Because all of this stuff was pent up. Early, at least in our marriage, what would happen is, especially when we had young kids, is I find myself being very quick to react, right? The kids would spill milk and I would just go, ah, and I, my first reaction was anger. And I think what I've learned uh, and what took time was what's the difference between reacting and responding? And I was very quick to react but I wasn't very good at responding. I remember this one time where we had a fight, we had a conflict, this was early on in our marriage, and it was over, and I thought everything was resolved. Well, I said, fine, you do whatever you want. Yeah, and literally, I was like, oh, I guess I can do whatever I want. So I put on my jacket and I was gonna go play basketball with friends, and as I was about to leave our apartment, you were like, if you take one step out, <laughs> something like that, and I was like, okay, well, maybe our conflict isn't resolved. Growing up, I never thought that someone could love me and be disappointed with me at the same time. I did not think that was a reality. So that even leads to me being, you know, 41 years old and I'm still that little boy inside that when she's disappointed in me, I don't think she loves me anymore. So now I feel that I have to perform for her love and that makes me exhausted. And so I think that's why I didn't handle it because I'm like, you know what, if I can avoid it and do everything to keep her happy, then cool. I don't care about myself. I just don't want her mad at me because she cannot be mad at me and love me at the same time. Yeah, and I think that oftentimes we think that love and conflict can't coexist. And I feel like because we feel like they're just two opposite extremes, but when we've learned to like work through the conflict and we see our love grow, we're like, wow, like how come we didn't talk about this in the beginning? And I think people often don't conflict well because they don't fight fair. Skip to 845. Y'all are welcome. <laughs> I promise you don't want to watch this. And suffering would produce the greatest act of Keep love. Going. 45. Yeah, that'll do it. What I have a tendency to do is to weaponize when I think Jada did something wrong to me, I want to use it against her. What the gospel says is, when you were as bad as you could be, Christ forgave you. Therefore, if he did that for you, then who are you not to do that for your spouse? For believers, repentance and forgiveness are not optional, but they're actually necessary if you want to experience oneness. The only way oneness can be experienced is to set each other free. Once we get what God has done for us, experiencing His forgiveness should compel us to set one another free. 
Ephesians 4.32 reads, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. This means that we are choosing to not rehash and bring up mistakes in the past. It means that we are learning to live in forgiveness and helping our spouse to walk in freedom. Renewal from the Greek to loosen, release, forgive, to set free. In marriage, it means I stop punishing my spouse for their sins against me and choose to set them free from what I think they deserve. Lubo. This word carries the idea of canceling a debt. That if you were to go into someone that you were trying to pay off a debt for, that they would write out a bill that says paid in full because the debt has been canceled, it's been removed, it's no longer attributed to you. So looking biblically at what forgiveness looks like, we see in the scriptures that we're blessed when God forgives of our sins by embracing Christ as Savior. And what that means is he does not hold us to that debt anymore because the shed blood of Jesus completely wiped out that debt. That gives us the freedom to forgive others because no one who sinned against us will compare to the pain that we have caused God when we sinned against him directly. So if he forgave us, that's why the scriptures tell us forgive as Christ has also forgiven you. Forgiveness means to set free. The Greek word can be used for untying knots in a rope. That's what conflict does. It binds us up and we need something to help break the knots. Colossians 3, 12 and 13 reads, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive one another. It's so nice of me to ask her to forgive me. And not often, but occasionally, occasionally she'll say, I'm not ready to yet. I don't think you've uh, truly repented of what you've done wrong. And so I've had to work on that a bit and prove to her that I truly am sorry, change my behavior, and um, prove that I have truly repented. Forgiveness does not mean staying in a physical or emotionally abusive relationship. Sadly, even those who profess the name of Christ have used that in a manipulative way that is unbiblical. You're not to be a punching bag, neither physically nor emotionally. That's not what forgiveness means. I can forgive you, but that doesn't mean I'm giving you the right to re-traumatize me and to re-hurt me and to re-abuse me. Forgiveness means this. I'm letting you off the hook for what you're doing, but I'm not gonna let you punch me. I'm not gonna let you abuse me. So be mindful of that. This is talking about goodwill relationships, not abusive relationships, because I've heard over the years, and sadly for men, uh, well, she should just forgive me. Yeah, she should forgive me, but you still going to jail. And until you repent, and until you get therapy, and until you get help, you can't be in this relationship of abusing her. Sometimes the pain goes so deep that you gotta get help with it because you cannot release your spouse as Christ has released you. And that is very okay to do it in a community group setting or to do it in a professional setting where somebody can get you not to focus on your spouse's issue, but to focus on your unforgiveness. But if you don't, 
then the relationship will stay at a, at a level and it will never peak and go up because you're not willing to release somebody. With every conflict in marriage, Darren and I always have a choice to make. Are we going to react to each other with the dysfunctional patterns we saw growing up, or the way we often see conflict handled in our culture? Those things don't work. Or do we do what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27? It says, be angry, but sin not, and give no opportunity to the devil. Whenever I let my anger cause me to blow up or just avoid Darren, I never move towards oneness. Never. When I let the Spirit guide me, it's usually against my instincts, but it helps move me back towards Darren. So we needed a new pattern for when our anger was driving us to unhealthy places. So we try to do these three things. First, we call a timeout. We remind ourselves our spouse is not our enemy. And the second is we need to own our own part, focus on the person inside of the circle. And the third, to intentionally start to build the bridge back to oneness. For some of us, the conversation can get so emotional or even heated that it's good to take a break. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. The break might be as simple as, I'm gonna go up and get a glass of water. Or give me a minute to think about what you just said, or it could even be more dramatic, I need time to pray about this. All of those are legitimate breaks. But the break needs to be productive. It has to be moving towards something. It's not just a break to get away, but it's a break so you can even process what's going on in you so you can come back to the conversation and get resolution. Research shows that it takes literally at least 20 minutes for your heart rate to come down, your body temperature to come down, your respiration to slow down and come back to a normal pattern. So maybe you need to call that time out for at least 20 minutes. Some people need an hour. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in a household where negative emotions were shut down. You weren't allowed to have those emotions. And so you're not used to, or you think that these emotions are bad and you shouldn't have them. However, the truth is that emotions are natural. They're something that God has given us as well, but they're not the facts, right? Emotions are roadmaps. They are pointing things out to us for us to pay attention to. Being aware of my emotions and allowing them not to dictate how I react, but also give me wisdom of how to respond has made a big difference. And you know, one thing that happens when you start to find yourself in conflict is you're not alone, right? Every marriage has conflict. I think the difference is, is how quickly can you recognize that you are playing a role in tearing each other down rather than building each other up. So if you think of like 100% is the full part of the conflict, maybe your part is only 2%, but sometimes you can be uh, more surrendered to the spirit in that moment and go to them and say, will you forgive me for, and you can clearly own 100% of your 2%. Maybe your, your part is 50%, sometimes it's gonna be 90%. But you need to identify your part and start there. Say, here's where I've done wrong. Maybe it's, I just have had bitterness in my heart towards you. I, I felt really hurt uh, when this happened, and so I responded poorly by, I thought this, or I said this. 
uh, escalated in this way. And so I just want to encourage couples to ask the Lord to reveal that to you. Pray Psalm 139. Search me, O oh God. You know when I sit and when I stand. Reveal to me the anxious ways in me. Show me my fault. Help me understand where I'm missing it here. God is faithful. He will do that for you. David's saying, Lord, search my heart. After he'd just spent a whole chapter saying, you know me intimately better than anybody else. Well, it's because David needed to know his own heart. He needed to know his own emotions. Lord, what button is getting pushed here? Why am I so upset? Why does this make me so angry? Why does this um, just cause such angst in my soul when this happened? Is there some work you need to do here? And then is there some work that I need to be willing to do here? I think for me, starting off a sentence by saying, I'm sorry that you feel that way, I think it's very um, dismissive of how the other person actually feels. And, and I fail by saying, you know, I'm sorry, but, and then boom, but, I give my reason. And she would be like, you just negated the apology so that you can move on to your argument. So that's when I even begin to say, you know what? You're right. Apologizing requires us to be not only humble, not only be intentional, but to recognize that we own this. And we're getting better at it. We learn to quickly ask each other for our forgiveness. Yeah, think of those nine magic words. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Those are the magic sauce of a good marriage. That's right. I said no! <laughs> Star and I first met, we were at a party and it was one of those movie style moments where the crowd parted and I found myself looking at the most beautiful girl in the world. I was crazy about him. I wanted to spend every waking moment with him. We lived a godless lifestyle, so it shouldn't have been a surprise when we found out after 18 months of dating that we were pregnant with our first baby. And so we entered into marriage and things were good for a while, but I think that all of us know if you've been married for five minutes, Marriage doesn't fix your problems, it only exposes them. We didn't know how to do conflict well. And Star's method of resolving conflict is she wanted to talk it out. And my method of resolving conflict is I wanted to just stuff it away. I started to yell at my wife in ways that I didn't know was possible for me. And when she didn't respond well to my yelling, I started to get aggressive with her. Hans went on a business trip and I was out with a bunch of girlfriends and I was approached by a man and I became involved in an affair. So I made a decision that I was going to leave. And so Hans came home from this business trip to find me and our two-year-old daughter with our bags packed. She said, Hans, I've been begging you to go to counseling for X amount of months and our marriage is not getting any better and I have to go. I can't live like this any longer. And so I ended up going to marriage counseling reluctantly. And so that really started my about six month journey to do everything that I could with God's help this time to be the husband that God wanted me to be. And so I decided that I was gonna to go to counseling for two sessions. And at the end of my venting session that went on for quite some time, he looked at me and he said, Star, I need to ask you a question. He said, I need to ask you if you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And I said, yeah, I believe that. He said, so let me get this straight. You believe that God can raise a dead man back to life again, but you don't believe that that same God has the power to heal your marriage. I turned to God this much and I watched him unfold things in our life and in our marriage that I never thought were possible. 
for whatever reason, God chose to do that miracle in me and do that miracle in her. And it led us to get back together. And we were on the right track, but things were far from good. The process of restoration and reconciliation was just getting started. I suspected that he knew about the affair. However, I just didn't have the courage to confess it. And so there was a night when we were together and I just prayed silently, God, can he just ask me one more time? And I remember looking her in the eye and saying, Star, I need to know. I'm still gonna love you. In that moment, she told me it started us on this path of reconciliation. Everything wasn't fixed that night, but that gave us a template for how to work through everything that we experienced. Obviously, conflict can break people apart, but the crazy thing is it actually can be an opportunity to forge a stronger relationship than you had before the conflict. When bones break, if they're set right, they can actually heal and become stronger than they were before the break. My friend wisely said once, don't confuse harmony with intimacy. So for someone like me who is conflict averse, I needed to learn to not settle for just getting along on the surface and instead just embrace conflict as an opportunity for growth. Yeah, because nobody gets married to build a stone wall and have that separate them. And so we want to be able to move toward each other and be equipped to get through those stone walls, to take them down, even if it means taking them down stone by stone, so we can restore oneness to the marriage. And some of that is just patience. I'm not, I don't think I fully understand how the wall came up. And it might be a little bit of a loss of how to take the wall down. That's why marriage is done together with understanding, kindness, sympathy, and empathy. Those are important qualities. When the wall goes up, it needs to be taken down, and that's going to require listening and empathy. I would say one of the things that I needed to do, and I would encourage you to do, is when you want to walk out of the room, you're in a conflict, it's not going well, and you're just ready to give up, you want to walk out of the room, walk back into the room. I walked out too many times, not like walking out of my marriage, but just I'm fed up with you, I'm fed up with the situation, and I walked out and I had to realize, yeah, there might be a moment to walk out and regain yourself and calm down, but walk back in, look her or look him in the eye and say, let's talk. The key to not having a marriage that's filled with regrets is summed up in the word forgiveness. It's a word that we have practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced because we are two simple people, we are very broken people, and uh, the only way to get past those is to practice the art of forgiveness. And then I would say the final point in how to really build up our marriage has been the, our ability and our willingness to come to the Lord in prayer, asking the Lord for protection from the enemy. And a verse that comes to mind is um, Romans 8, 6. I love this verse because it says that the flesh controls your mind, it leads to death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, it leads to life and peace. Awesome. And I just think, Lord, that's what I want in our marriage. That's what I want in my heart and in our relationship. I want to have that life and peace. So I need to ask you to take control of my mind and help me to communicate and interact with Chris in a way that's honoring to you, honoring to Chris, and honoring to myself even.
that's my cue. Okay, so in the beginning of the video, they gave the somebody gave the example of spilled milk, and it says we can either react or respond, and the difference in reacting and responding is about five seconds. So what does it mean within your marriage to respond rather than to react as it relates to conflict? Respond versus react. Better think about what you say before you say it. Got to think about what you say before you say it. I agree with that. Yeah, reaction is a lot more impulsive. Just, you know, something's happening, we're going to act right this minute without any thought. There used to be a commercial a long time ago, the child was just a commercial, and it said, it said, count the town. And, and statistically, it was you know, basically showing that those who walked away with that 10 seconds didn't do the thing that they did. The same thing us in the marriage. Yeah. Gives you a little buffer period to not react too quickly. Yeah. So, repentance and forgiveness is not optional for the believer, the video said, and I agree. How is repentance and forgiveness shaping your marriage? Or how has it in the past? Or how can it in the future? Just rubbing one another all the time. You gotta forgive and forget it and get along, you know, go back to what it needs to be. That the one couple where he said um, she said she wasn't ready to forgive me and I wonder that one kind of that's a reaction that, or a response because that's, I feel like that could make it worse. I felt like we were standing on shaky ground when that lady said that. Yeah. I didn't I didn't much care for that. Yeah, I was like, it felt ready. selfish to me. Like you're not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> And it could be, well, and that, and that, you know, it could be they've been married for 40 years and she just straight up knows. I mean, she might just know, but when you hear her say that, it's like, oh, that doesn't sound good at all. Is that kind of what you felt when you heard it? Well, that, but I also wondered, like, you know, it's like in the Bible, men are commanded to love their wives like Christ, like church. And women to respect your husband. So, is it the fact that that there was something that she felt like is a repeat offense, mm -hmm. and you just like like repentance means you try as hard as you can not to ever do it again? Is it I'm sorry, I'm gonna just keep doing it again. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna do it again. Yeah, kind of thing. Or I don't know. It was just odd. Something off with it, yeah. You know. Let's see here. Anybody else have any responses to how is repentance and how are repentance and forgiveness shaping your marriage? I think something we talked about last week was, uh, or maybe it was the week before, was seeing your spouse as a brother or sister in Christ rather than a husband or wife to be upset with. And that makes, that perspective changes things. To, to that really puts you on the same team. We all, we all understand that in marriage we're on the same team, but we, we perceive it from the view of 
brothers and sisters in Christ, we should have even more respect for one for one another as we think about that language. It's sad that we don't treat our spouse with the same respect that we do strangers. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're so much quicker to react to them than we are anybody. Mm-hmm. I think what really changed our marriage was when we stopped, when we would get into a conflict, was reaching back and pulling out the... Bringing up the history? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once we really started truly forgiving yeah. and letting that go, yeah. that really did. does yeah. do amazing things. I have to say, I remember in early in our marriage that that was a big thing, that I would bottle it. And I would hold it in. And then I would love, and he was like, what in the world just happened? I mean, I brought up things that might have been, you know, while we were dating, and we had been married for 10 years or whatever. So it, it really, you know, that's not good. And I remember when we were 12, skipping rocks on that lake. <laughs> so it definitely, that, you know, being married for a long time, you kind of season that out, and you think, and that was really stupid mm-hmm. back then, but in my opinion, then it wasn't. But well, a lot of it when you're when you're young or immature, which sometimes I still am, both of those things. But it takes that experience to know how ridiculous it is. Like it takes that. Oh, we've done this a hundred times, and it's not fixing anything. So sometimes it's just it's necessary to hack your way through. You never advise people to do that, but sometimes you don't learn until you do experience that stuff. So. I'd say repentance is huge because most of the time if you're repenting to your partner it's about something that they maybe you shouldn't have done or something that you know that's going to upset them so I feel like it puts you in a vulnerable position the both of you that you kind of have to lean on each other and forgive each other and you know I think that repentance and forgiveness is huge it's, it's the only way you really can move on really mm-hmm So the Greek word luo means in marriage it mean it meant I stop punishing my spouse for their sins against me and choose to set them free from what I think they deserve. And this does not come easily. The video discussed potential therapy or counseling or outside help. How willing are you or have you been in the past to get outside help in your marriage if necessary? And if anyone would be willing to speak of a time when outside help was a benefit to their marriage. Scary question. Scary question. Getting help from somebody. Yeah. People, I think we talked about it in lesson one, two or three or something. I can't remember, but like. As far as marriage, I can't think of how to put this in words. We, we perceive counseling as a bad thing, but if you really want to cultivate your situation, why would you perceive getting help as a, as a negative? Like, oh, wait, there's a, there's a stigma to get counseling, you know, especially marriage counseling. Is something wrong with our marriage? Yeah, there's something wrong with your marriage. Two sinful people living together for life, that's it's a big time problem, you know. It's not something that's easy. So back, it was always, you know, drilled into your head. You keep your business within your own four walls. You don't, you know, go out and, you know, talk about it with anybody else. And, you know, you figured out yourself or if it doesn't figure it out, you just 
you know, grow on with it and deal with it if it ever pops back up. In fact, it was, you were, I guess it was a thing of weakness that if you, you know, went outside your four walls of your family. So can I ask for, I'm not, you don't have to share, and please don't share specifics or anything, but how were you able, what what about getting help from the outside helped? Did it just help bring up more questions that you could you two couldn't get to together, or? So we got married young. I was 18 and he was 24. So we were both still living there in the church. And had a baby shortly after, well, three years, I guess, after pulling that ads, that's a lot of stress. I did nursing school with the weekend, which is... Stressful. Yeah, not a good idea. Um, had to work, you know, still through most of nursing school, which was hard by itself. Plus, I was basically felt like a single parent in the room. So much resentment that had built up from both of us, not just me. Um, because I focused on my attention on our son instead of him, and you know, it's easy to bridge. And so when I finally got to a place where all the stress had kind of settled, I was looking around and I'm like, if I'm a single mom, then I'm just going to be a single like, mom. I don't have to marry you anymore. I don't need your income. I don't, I don't need you, um, which is a terrible thing to say, but I was just so tired at that point. And I've been asking for, uh, I asked for a long time. Like, because I think, at least in our situation, maybe I was picking it up or I felt it more than he did. Yeah, we just we just zombie we just zombie right on through. Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Right. And and that's I mean it just it just hit a point where I was like I I have a realization like this is not it's not satisfying and I was like I I'm done I'm I'm not doing this anymore and he was like therapy. And that was my only regret that we did do this year because in therapy, he, he said a few times, oh, you gained up on that. That was never the intention. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was because I, I have a lot of faults and I, I've pretty much proved that I'm on earth. So I'm definitely not, uh, you know, I'm a bystander, but it was just so many things that we had never dealt with, like my own mental health was a huge problem and then so then that caused even more problems in the marriage and the therapist that we saw um, he he would let us get things out and then she would just kind of say like what, what, what do you want from this basically and we just had to kind of figure it out together and we had been to the point where we were so complacent in our marriage but we didn't have big things like there was, I mean we were Young, dumb, wrong, for the kids. Like, that, that just wasn't a thing. And so we started turning our therapy nights, as lame as this sounds, into date nights. Well, it doesn't sound lame because it sounds like it worked. <laughs> so we would go to dinner, usually nothing fancy, just uh, a lot of times there was Donald's chicken. That was a treat for us to be on that side of town. And then, or maybe we would have graders, we would go to therapy, and we would just spend that probably three hours a night, like once a week. Then it you know, got less and less, but we would just spend that time and just focus on each other and try to remember the reasons why we fell in love and got married. 
as we work through the hard things. Um, I, uh, I recommend therapy to everybody. Like I think I'm nursing my own problems. But I just think it's helpful for you to understand where you're starting from and where you're coming from because you, whether we need to or not, we all bring our own baggage in every relationship, whether it's marriage or friendships. And if you don't realize what you're carrying around and what you're contributing, something is missing larger. So I have a lot of my own work to do. Still here, still fighting. I like to just clap for that. Being, being vulnerable like that and saying, "Hey, look, we—that's what—that's what church life is about." Like, "Hey, yeah, we're broken. We weren't doing things well, and we got help. And look how God pulls you through when you." When you just stop and say, I don't know everything and I need help. So thank you for sharing that. Sorry, I hope that didn't feel like I put you on the spot. No, I honestly totally believe you didn't need to be here. But if there is somebody or if they know somebody, it, it was the best decision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27 says, Be angry and sin not. Give no opportunity to the devil. So the question is, how can this verse shape the conflict within your marriage? If you, We're all going to get angry, but we don't have to act upon that anger in sin. So be angry and sin not. Give no opportunity to the devil. How can this shape conflict within your marriage? The saying is you're pointing at somebody, you always have three pointing back at yourself. Always has that proof that, you know, one doesn't point in your hand, they have three pointing at me, so I'm three times further behind. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of use that as a life rule always that you put. <laughs> they said don't accept physical abuse, though. You don't have to take that. Yeah. <laughs> Does it get out of hand in a hurry? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How does that how does that go in my life? Be angry and sin not, give no opportunity to the devil. I think a lot of it comes they talked about conf, the there were kind of three points of conflict resolution and the first one was to call time out or to take a break. So the same same we talked about the react or respond instead of react. It's okay to not jump down each other's throat in the first five seconds of some sort of conflict. Take a breather, leave the room, whatever has to happen to give you the, the time to not act on the sin and, and be, or not act on the anger. Um, so calling time out was the first point. And be, uh, the second point was to be responsible for whatever part that you play. Maybe you're responsible for 10% of the conflict Sometimes you're responsible for 90% of the conflict. Sometimes you're responsible for 100%. So 
be responsible for your own part. And the third point of the conflict resolution was to focus on oneness. And that's back to, you know, the whole point of this thing is that two people come together as one. And um, if we, we're, not only are we married, we're, we're spouses, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So we want to see each other win, even when things aren't obviously good, like when we have to repent from things or we have to forgive each other for things. And they prayed, uh, the big tall fella, he mentioned Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2 and 23 and 24. And I'll read those. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down and stand up. You know my thoughts even when I am far away. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything and point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along a path of everlasting life. So these verses can serve as a prayer for us individually within our marriage. God knows us. God, you know me. You know me better than I know me. Help me to see areas in my life that are offensive to you. I want to look more like you. Make it clear to me how I can achieve that. And if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, it's not. And I hope many people can attest to this. When we're in the wrong, it's even as stubborn as we are, it's really not hard to see that we're in the wrong. And even, even when I don't admit it and we're bickering about something, I know most often, 97% of the time, I know I'm in the wrong and I just don't have the energy to deal with it at the time, at the moment, you know? So, and that's where, if I know I'm in the wrong and that's where the patience of her comes into play, I know I'm wrong, I'm tired, I don't, I don't we're not going to figure this out right now. So if we can work together instead of against each other, if she shows patience when I'm, dealing with my own wretchedness. Hopefully tomorrow we'll get it figured out. But uh, we've definitely learned not to chase each other. You know, we don't have to stay up all night arguing about something because we know we, we're still going to be married tomorrow. But we don't put it away for weeks and weeks and weeks. But we, we've done a lot better job of not uh, acting immediately. But also just giving each other time to breathe and figure it out, figure things out. Do you worry if they said... The break is not for you to be sitting there being like, look at me, you can't do that to me. It's to be working toward solutions. Yeah. So that would not be giving room to the devil. Mm-hmm. Actually focusing on working toward resolution and focusing on how bad you were. Yeah. The story at the end, I've got a little journal entry here that I want to read you all that I just wrote today. But the story at the end of the video reminds me of Heather and I. We dated for a year. We were engaged for a year and got married. We jumped the gun and had a baby seven months. I asked Heather for her permission to share all this also before you all judge. Oh, my gosh. So we jumped the gun and had a baby seven months into our marriage. Early on was hard, just like that couple explained. There were many good times, but there were many hard times. We were not good with conflict. Finally, after about five years of marriage, we both leaned into our relationship with Jesus. We even did this wrong now that I look back, or I will say that I, I approached this wrong. 
I was doing things on my own as it related to my relationship with Christ and sort of left her out of it. Mainly because I was so lost, I didn't know how to include her in this. But some time passed and we united together in our walk with Jesus. When we united together with Christ, we went through a time of refinement. It was a time of truth telling and forgiveness. It wasn't an easy time, but it was a time when God revealed our brokenness to us both and he slowed he showed us his power to heal us from all of our sin and poor decision making. As we think about Psalm 139, verse 24, which I read a moment ago, it says, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God did that in our marriage. He pointed out that the way we were doing things were offensive to him. He convicted us both individually of certain things and he redeemed our marriage. Through this God-given redemption, we were able to forgive one another patiently and properly. We were, we were given the ability to tell the truth to one another properly, and I believe our marriage is no longer offensive to God, but fully glorifies Him. I share all of this as a story of hope and a testimony to God's faithfulness. Not only did God bring us each... I can't, I can't read my own handwriting, and I can't make sense of it. Not only did God bring each of us from death to life, He brought our marriage from death to life. Without the faithfulness of God to point out... Okay, I've messed up. I'm not going to read that part. Sorry. So, as we think about uh, one Psalm 139, we weren't even praying that, I don't think, specifically at the time. God, please point out what's offensive. But as I look back on these verses, he did that. He's like, oh, you all want to unite together and be one? Here's what you're doing wrong, and you're doing wrong, and you're doing wrong. And these came up in us individually and we were finally able to be honest about it for the first we've been married for five years at the time and finally we were like oh if we want to stay married we better work on these things so god is faithful he loves us however he is not joking around about marriage if he is not at the center of your marriage your marriage is doomed and heather and i have felt this and if we can help any of you all in any of this just just as you said back there, if there's anything we can do to help uh, anybody that's struggling, um, please reach out to us at any time. And uh, one of the quotes that that lady said was, when bones break, if they are set right, they can heal and be stronger than they were before the break. And I, that's sort of how our marriage has played out. And it's been, it's been good. I'm glad everything worked out the way it did. I'm glad that we were able to really focused we did not have god like in the beginning of that video that woman said you know we our relationship was godless and it went this direction and then god came into the marriage and now it's going a different direction so not only were we brought death from death to life individually but as a united couple in christ we were it's like a secondary testimony you know and that's it's pretty exciting i hope it's exciting to you all as it is exciting to me so Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. In what ways have you seen progress in your marriage when the Spirit is leading? Forgiveness. 
reflects all the old strength. I think it worked. I think he before. Don't start the small stuff. I think it's ironic they're plotting on, you know, God knows it before we even ask for it. You know, he's directing our path before we even know where we're going to step. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you realize that, how do you not stay on that path, you know? Um, yes, there's difficult times, there's difficult situations, but you know that with him, all things are possible. You probably make me found things that the next video was when that couple was hatching it out, and then they asked, Do you believe that God could raise Christ from the dead? Yeah. And, and if you, you know, you've been there, you've been pretty bad. Yeah. But it's not that. Yeah. They can't be saved. Yeah. So you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. If you believe that, it should shape everything about your life. It should shape your ability to forgive somebody. If you believe that he can heal, you know, heal a blind man, then we sometimes doubt that he's really doing things. We, we can doubt that he's doing things in our life. Yeah, I thought, I thought the same thing, the way she phrased that. I was, it's simple, you know, but you, it's simple to forget also. Like, if you say you believe what you say you believe, it should shape your life in a dramatic and obvious way. People should be able to see it. You should be able to feel it. Uh, and it also helps when things aren't going well to be able to endure patiently. You know, uh, patience is the fruit of the Spirit. So when things aren't going well for us, we should, uh, as, as believers, we should be able to endure a little better than, well, far better than, Worldly folks, not get all tore up about everything. I think when we're when we're strong in our walk, too, we we start to see things with more common sense. My husband works outside, and in the summer, I remember when we first got married, and you know he'd come home, oh he's grouchy, and and just you know you get these thoughts in his head. Well, he's grouchy, and, and you make all these silly little reasons why he's grouchy, and and when you're living in the spirit, the spirit's like, well, he's grouchy because he's been outside 95 degree heat all day. He's probably dehydrated and tired and sunburned and everything else. Just let the man sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, the, I believe the evil one wants us to not have that sense of just sometimes life. It's, it's not, it's not relationship. It's not, it's just, it's just life, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think when we're living in the spirit, it it's, helps reveal things to us that are like, you know, just be patient. Just, just, just give the man a glass of water and step away for a few minutes. You know. <laughs> yeah, I had a thought and it left my mind. Oh, you know, we we treat each other that way. How come you're grumpy and not treating me the way I want to be treated? You know, when when this whole study has been, we shouldn't seek. To be treated a certain way by our spouse we, how much better would our marriages be if we both every single day served each other the way that we're supposed to and if we did that at the same intensity that would never that would i'm not saying bj is 
the guilty. We're all yeah, guilty because yeah, we all it's do just it. That idea, you know, that like you said, it's instead of me coming at him like, well, why aren't you doing this, this, and this? Instead, like I said, give the man a glass of ice water, and that that servant heart changes the whole scenario versus the selfish heart, which is why aren't you doing this for me? Instead, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think that's really important in a God-based marriage. Just that idea of yeah. And where the patience comes in, where it might take, it might take two glasses of water. It might take glasses of water every day for a week or a year, you know. But that's uh, that patience that the Spirit provides is real, you know, and can change things for sure. I'm all out of questions, but my last note says next week we are talking about sex. So invite all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I only watched like the first two minutes of the video and they mentioned sex a whole bunch. So I thought, they must be talking about sex next week, huh? <laughs> so hopefully that'll be entertaining. What if they said something? They said something about makeup sex in, their, in, the, in the intro. I thought, oh gosh, they're going to fire me. <laughs> sex is part of it. So we'll talk about it. Have a good time with it. Does anybody else have anything to share? Anything insightful from tonight? I enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed you being vulnerable and sharing uh, what you shared. That That is very helpful. So thank you for that. Miss Morgan, congratulations being baptized. That was exciting. Now you're here sitting in the front row. Just... Ready to learn more. <laughs> Last week she said, I already know everything I need to know about marriage. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> say that. What did you say? I said, I think I know everything about Grant and I can win the newlywed game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, that's my man ears. <laughs> I hear what I want to hear. Yeah, much. I'm glad you're aware though. Yeah, see. God's doing a miraculous work in my life. Okay. All right. Who am I going to pick on to pray us out of here? Dale, would you pray us out of here, please? Yeah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity we have to come to thy house and uh, to participate in the study about marriage. We thank you, Lord, that uh, if we follow your commandments and uh, have our marriage uh, following through your word and the way you got to direct us, that uh, you would bless us and, and just uh, help us as couples to always uh, with God number one and not Lord. Lord, we just ask that you meet each need. We have a lot of folks on the prayer list and needs, and we ask that you would meet each need according to your will. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail you, and we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. All these things I ask in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dale.